Hello everyone and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with music, stories of Vikings and sweaters, movie discussion, a brand new audiobook adventure, and some fan appreciation. I am your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. So, this week we are back to form with a normal-length podcast. No extreme hour-long podcast fests this week. Next week might be a different story. I've got a lot to talk about next week. But for this week, keeping things nice and short, I talk about a recent adventure I had to Viking Days, which was a local festival here in Ballard, Washington. We launched the newest audiobook adventure, Chamber of Secrets, this Thursday. I get a little bit, you know, into some movies. I recently rewatched two uh, perceived classics in my um, household, at the very least. And I talk about how they have some pros and cons. We get into a little bit of that later on. We got two brand new songs of the week. And I want to talk about just how amazing all of you are. And we get to write that at the end of the podcast. But for now, let's start this week as we start most every week with some tunes. Here are our songs of the week. It is now time to talk about our two songs of the week. These are very different songs for very different reasons. Coming out in very different years, but are both one and both of my favorites right up there in the top. They're freaking amazing songs. Let's talk about the older one first, which came out in March of 1992 off the album Adrenalize, Def Leppard's Let's Get Rocked. It is a great song. I'm a really big fan of this because it talks about uh, the power of rock uh, throughout like uh, like growing up. You know, like when you're a kid and your parents want you to do chores and stuff and you're like, I don't got time for that. It's time for me to rock. You know, it's that kind of mentality. And then like later on when you're, you know, driving down the street with, with your lady friend and she's like, you know, trying to put on some tunes to get into the mood and then bam, rock comes on. You're like, oh, no. I don't got time to do the deed. Now it's time to rock. It's good shit. It's a great fucking song. Uh, I'm a real big fan of it. It was always one of my favorites. And um, when I saw uh, Def Leppard play live, they played the song. And it was easily my favorite song of the night. I saw them play with... Uh, who was it? It was Def Leppard. I think Def and Motley Crue. And I think the... I'm trying to remember who the opening band was for the night. I want to say... I don't think it was Heart. I think it was, I, no, it wasn't hard. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. There was a third band that played that night uh, that is completely escaping me. But Motley Crue was also there. Um, I'm relatively sure. Now I'm doubting that. I see a lot of shows. Um, it's completely slipped my mind. Anyway, here's Let's Get Rocked. Do we want to get rocked? So it was actually Hart that was the opening act on the tour. It was September 15th of 2011. I had just I had to pull up the tour. It was the Mirror Ball tour. Um, the uh, the opening acts for Dublin, Belfast, Rallis Cooper, and Thin Lizzy, and then the UK was opened by Motley Crue um, as a co-headliner. So Motley Crue did tour them. They just were not there when I saw them play live with Hart, who is a phenomenal 
band to see live. But that's not who we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Hey Ocean, which was one of the bands I talked about in like episode two, I want to say, way back when. Way back when, several weeks ago, I brought up Hey Ocean. But to the best of my knowledge, looking at the list right now, Hey Ocean is not on our playlist yet, which is a crying shame. They're a phenomenal band. So I want to talk about a song off their newest album, which came out in April of this year, of 2018, called The Herd of Happiness. This song's called The Feels. And it's it's a little long, and it's this weird... So I don't deal with this a lot in my music. It's just not an element that comes around very often. Uh, it happens in, uh, like, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. It happens in Thriller. When there's kind of spoken word with music. And that's how the song begins. It's almost like a philosophical um, discuss, not discussion. I guess monologue would be a, a more appropriate term about um, like the odds of humanity uh, and how just like the world uh, forms and kind of our understanding of it and how it's like. Uh, I think one of the lines is like, "Flowers only flower in fields that support flowers flowering," something along those lines. Um, but it's it you know it makes you think. And, like, while you're thinking, there's this cool little bass, uh, like, uh, like that just comes on in, and it's just kind of like, ooh, now I'm thinking and grooving with tunes. And then it just kind of carries on from there. And, uh, and a pretty uh, classic Hey Ocean style of this kind of strange harmony um, that involves a lot of, like, reaching for low ends, but it, it works in a, in a weird way. Um, and then it just kind of picks up from there. And uh, the chorus is is quite incredible as well. But I really want to talk about like the the bass bit. So that's going to be the the focus of the little segment of song. But I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. It's almost seven minutes long, so it takes a little bit. But here's the little bass line in the uh, in the philosophical chat. You only find flowers in surroundings which will support them. So in the same way, you only find human beings on a planet of this kind, with an atmosphere of this kind, with temperature of this kind. Supplied by a convenient neighboring stubble. And so, just as the flower is a flowering of the field, I feel myself as a, a personing, a manning people. The Herd Happiness is a very good album. I put it right up there next to Is, which came out in 2012, um, as two phenomenal albums. Uh, they both have a lot of great, like, singles. Um, there's a lot of great depth to lyric. The musicality of these songs are deceptively simple. Like, you don't think it's actually all that complex, but if you watch them play it live or really take a second to try and figure out how they do the things they do, it can be, it can surprise you how, uh, how amazing the musicianship of this quaint band from British Columbia truly is. Right up there at the top with some of my all-time favorites, Hey Ocean was, is a, is it like a sleeper hit? that I am the only person I'm aware of who <laughs> listens to them on a, on a consistent basis. Uh, and I encourage you to listen to them too. They are a phenomenal band. Now that's enough of me prattling on about music. Let's move on to the next thing. This week, I want to talk about something that occurs in a lot of media. It occurs in television shows. It occurs in film. And to some extent, it is also found in books of all varieties. And that is the art of pacing. 
Stories are told with a certain flow to them. There's often a beginning, a middle, and an end. And what's important when telling a story is to make sure that there is an adequate amount of time dedicated to each aspect of the story. In this particular segment of this week's podcast, I want to focus on two movies in particular that both come from the same studio that I recently rewatched and how they are both excellent examples of pacing in a very bad way and in a very good way. And those two movies are Atlantis The Lost Empire and Pixar's Coco. Now, Atlantis The Lost Empire came out in, I believe, 2001. It was a 2D animated film dealing with a, I guess, turn-of-the-century cartographer-slash-linguist Milo Thatch who is on the hunt for the lost city of Atlantis. It's a, it's a pretty classic thing to base a movie off of, and my memory of that film from when I was a child was that the movie was good. I remember enjoying the movie. Um, it, uh, its animation style was pretty unusual to Disney, especially at the time. Dealt with a lot of uh, 3D, which does not hold up. Uh, the, the CG in this particular film is not great. But the the true crime of the film is the poor pacing. This movie did not do well in theaters. Um, it w- was not financially successful. It would not. It was not reviewed well by critics. Um, I'm not really sure why I had a memory of enjoying it. But then again, you know, you like different things as a kid, and when you go back to look at them, it doesn't hold up to your modern day uh, view of things. And this movie's pacing is incredibly poor. It is a surface level movie is how I'm coming to describe it. Uh, Basically, you get exactly enough detail in any given scenario or scene of the film to understand the basest fact of what's happening in front of you. You get the, the merest foundation of understanding of this film before it speeds on to the next thing. Um, it just sets up Milo as a character and just sets up what he wants to do with the film or what he wants to do with his life, basically, uh, before you're met with the person who's running the expedition, which is just barely explained. And then you meet the people in the expedition who are just barely introduced before you begin the expedition, which just barely happens. It, it's a whole movie of this. It's, it's, a, it's a rock skipping across the surface of the water. It hits all the points that it technically needs to, but beyond that, there is no depth to this film at all. It it goes plink, 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 plink across the surface of the water, and then the movie's over. It does not pace the ship itself very well. Um, and uh, another quick example of something that's poorly paced is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, both in book and audio form. But this is not skipping across the surface. This is having... Actually, no, it would be skipping across the surface. It's just that in between skips across the water the rock is hanging in the air for like two hours like there's so much nothing in between impacts upon the surface in that story it goes pink just nothing pink more nothing pink um at least what you can say for atlanta's lost empire is that it's not a very long movie by the time the movie gets anywhere interesting there's like 10 minutes left it is not paced well Now, Coco, on the other hand, is paced incredibly well. This movie has, I think, if if I'm keeping along with the rock-skipping metaphor, it has, like, 
a lot of story points that are important. Like if I was to call like the main beats of the film, like Miguel entering the land of the dead, um, performing live on stage to meet Ernesto, finding out that Ernesto is a traitor, all that stuff. Like the really key points of the film, uh, the climax of the film, him actually going home singing, remember me, there's like five or six really important points of the film. Those would be the rock skips. But in between the, the rock hitting the surface of the water, it's diving beneath the surface. So, because there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of great character development, there's a lot of really amazing moments, there's a lot of subtlety to the movie. This movie has depth, and a lot of it, uh, and it is paced incredibly well. It doesn't have as many story beats um, as some films do, but what it does with its small six skips across the water um, is it does it perfectly. You know what I mean? So, it tells its story concisely there's no there's no sense of boredom there's no wasted space there's no filler material all right it's not like a, a season it's not like a 17 million episode season of an anime where like six episodes are important you know everything in coco matters to the story they knew what the story was they knew how they wanted to tell it and they just did that you know there's very little filler all right everything makes sense conflict makes sense in the movie uh, even if it's a little cliche, like things kind of air quotes have to happen um, in order for the movie to kind of hit the correct beats, especially for a Disney film, which always has to kind of follow a general formula. Uh, it's usually the hero's journey um, a lot of the time. Uh, but lately, Disney's been dipping into a lot of moral ambu ambiguous villains. Uh, like for the greater part of the film, there aren't like there is no strong. There's no villain in the beginning part of the film. Ernesto later on becomes kind of villain-esque, but he is not the antagonist for the entire film. Like, te like technically, the people that would fall into that role are Miguel's own family. And that isn't so much as, like, like um, antagonistic for evil purposes. It's just kind of, uh, like, um, I'm not really sure how to phrase it. They don't agree with his love of music, but they still care for him as a character. I guess moral ambiguity would be would be a general term that you could use here, because they're on his side. They just don't want him to play music. That's that's basically like the whole conflict. And because it's that, that is kind of the core, air quotes, problem of the film. It is a different film than things we've seen before. Frozen did something similar, where it wasn't. Uh, Anna falling in love with Hans that like solved the problem. It was the love between sisters. It was a familial love, um, which you know kind of took the old tried and true, you know, princess meets a prince falls in love happily ever after Disney formula that we all know and are familiar with. Um, it it kind of turned that on its head, and that in my head at least is why Frozen was so popular because it it took the formula we were all used to. And changed it, you know? It wasn't what we thought in the end. It was something else. Um, and being surprised in a movie, especially a Disney movie nowadays, is something to be applauded. And what Coco does here with its perfect pacing and slow reveal that Hector was actually um, Miguel's uh, great-grandfather, not Ernesto de la Cruz, is awesome. I love it. I mean, sure, that kind of story has been told before, but... The Coco has such a rich world, and the art is incredible, and I love the alebrijas. Um, I'm just butchering all these words. That's fine. I love the art style. I love the music. Um, 
I cried like a baby at the end of it because like this movie is all about like keeping the memories of your family alive so that the stories can live on and it's all about how important it is to know where you came from and who preceded your line and all that stuff it's all incredibly important messages and how important family is you know family is so important uh friends come and go but family's there through thick and thin to the very end that kind of that kind of logic i just wanted to talk about pacing i saw both of these movies uh today and like i said coco it's a wonderful film atlantis the lost empire does not hold up but uh, what do you think can you guys think of an, an example of a film that you believe has good pacing uh i hope i explained um pacing well um i'm actually a pretty big fan of the rock skipping metaphor um to describe pacing uh i think it i think it works well um but yeah do you have what's your what's your favorite paced movie i guess uh because movies like it doesn't have to be a slow pace in order for it to be good sometimes a movie is very fast paced and that can still be excellent it varies from genre to genre to movie to director style to what kind of story they want to tell there's a lot of different um, elements that can affect the pacing of a film in order to cause it to do one thing or the other Um, but i love talking about stuff like this i love going in depth about what makes a great movie great you know what are what are the elements of the cinematography of the writing of the score of the direction of the editing that takes an okay b movie to make it is just an a plus incredible film uh coco is phenomenal if you haven't seen it yet it is on netflix i cannot recommend it highly enough it is a wonderful film uh i always love pixar movies when they're good <laughs> pixar has unfortunately released a couple of stinkers uh, in its lifetime it is no longer the illustrious name that it once was when it only had like you know 10 movies to its name and they were all pretty fantastic um but you know a lot of people kind of can look back on pixar's history with rose tinted glasses everybody always forgets things like bugs life which was crap but you know that's neither here nor there every studio has a misstep once or twice in its life but coco is a is a return to form and a wonderful uh addition to the a plus movies of the pixar family and uh, I think that'll that'll wrap up my little discussion on pacing. Um, I'm going to go to bed because it's pretty late at night. But I'll see you in a couple of seconds for the next thing. This week we launch into the next adventure of a small boy wizard trying to find his purpose in life. In a, in a school full of magical kids. And hijinks galore. That's right, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Easily my bottom rung Harry Potter book. Uh, I love Harry Potter to death. But if I was going to randomly pick up a book to read or a movie to watch in the Harry Potter franchise, book two and movie two would be the last thing I would reach for. Uh, The movie itself is very slow. And the pacing is terrible, as I discussed uh, previously in the in the podcast, but the book itself doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of plot advancement. Like if there's ever a book to skip, if like for some reason you wanted to speed read the Harry Potter franchise, it'd be this one. But fortunately, you don't have to read it because I read it for you and I made it more informative uh, with you know googlings of words I don't know, drunken ramblings, and uh, me just flubbing lines here, there, and everywhere. This week we have three chapters. Uh, we have the worst birthday. I, you know, 
they don't get any worse than this one. It's a pretty bad birthday. Then we got Dobby's warning. What's he warning us about? Gonna have to listen to find out. And then after that, it's the burrow. It's time to go to Ron's house. See what see what that's all about. And this week's uh, little segment that I wanted to talk about uh, takes place in Chapter 3, The Burrow. And there's some inconsistencies with the laws of reality. And I say a sentence that just doesn't make any sense. So let's take a little listen. If the Dursleys wake up, I'm dead, said Harry as he tied the rope tightly around the bars and Fred revved the car. Don't worry, said Fred, and stand back. Harry moved back into the shadows next to Hedwig, who seemed to have realized how important this was and kept still and silent. The car revved louder and louder, and suddenly, with a crunching noise, the bars were pulled clean out of the window as Fred drove straight up into the air. Harry ran back to the window to see the bars dangling a few feet above the ground. Panting, Ron hoisted them into the car. Harry listened anxiously, but there was no sound from the Dursley's bedroom. That's some nonsense right there. Ripping out bars from the wall of their house, and the Dursleys didn't so much as stir. Pfft. Bull. When the bars were pulled safely back into the seat, um, or back in seat with the with the Ron, yeah, that made even more sense. Fred reversed as close as possible to Harry's window. And alongside the beginning of Chamber of Secrets, I have also made another promo video. Um, I'm currently working on getting those on the website, um, like just with like a YouTube embedded link. Um, shouldn't take me all that long, but I'm working on it. Uh, so if you don't know uh, my old YouTube channel, then you can just watch them right on the website. I take a look at my amazing videography skills, which are poor, which are quite poor. Uh, but you know what? I have a lot of fun making them, so woohoo to me. Uh, this one's pretty on theme to Chamber of Secrets, and I'm going to do that for the next couple of films. Just kind of keep them in, in theme with the book and uh, perhaps some, some of the movie uh, tropes as well. Depending, you know, depending on what kind of creative mood I'm in. But Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets, starting this Thursday or in reality, starting very late Wednesday night, and uh, it has an even number of chapters. So we'll have Chamber of Secrets for five weeks before Prisoner of Azkaban begins, which will last even longer, because that book's longer. But let us begin the Chamber of Secrets. And up next is another thing. So... Today, being a couple of days ago for all y'all, I decided to get out and do some culture, get some get some festivalness up in my brain, and I went to Viking Days, which is a local thing here in uh, in Ballard, Washington, uh, down near the Nordic Museum. Uh, Ballard has a very high Scandinavian population, and Viking Days was the third annual Viking Days. Um, I w it was like, it was very good. Uh, first of all, it was a, it was a small cluster of tents, um, behind the Nordic museum, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like less because it was small. Like each tent there was pretty interesting and cool. There was blacksmith, there was period accurate furniture, there were many, uh, like swords and shields and bits of armor and artifacts and all sorts of cool stuff on display. And then there was some merchandise stuff. Um, I have long been uh, a fan of Viking culture, of the music that comes out of the Scandinavian area. Uh, Viking metal and power metal and all that fun stuff is very deep within my repertoire of music knowledge. And I've always wanted an authentic 100% wool sweater. You know the ones, the um, they're you know they're very iconic to that part of the world. But the problem has always been they're really expensive.
expensive. They're very expensive. You go on Amazon or try to import it straight from the source, and we're talking three, four, five hundred dollars a sweater. They're very expensive. Uh, but fortunately for me and my wallet, at this uh, Vikings Day Fest, there was indeed a tent full of these sweaters for the low, low price of, I think it was $200, um, which I know sounds insane, but it was very kindly given to me um, as uh, as an early Christmas present, let's put it that way. Uh, so um, I, I do now own one. I'll put a picture of it on the blog. Uh, probably not of me wearing it because it's like 80 degrees right now and I have to wait easily like four months before it is cold enough to justify the sweater. Um, but I'm very excited about it and it's wonderful. It's 100% wool. The design is fantastic. It feels really good. Um, it's a good size on me, all that stuff. It's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful sweater. So in in that area, the Viking Fest thing was a total success. Um, ate some Swedish pancakes, very tasty. A weird cross between it's like a really thick crepe, but the the aftertaste is a pancake, like an American pancake. So it's this weird kind of like pastry um, cross between those two those two succulent breakfast themed items. And then we went into the actual. Uh, Nordic Museum, which I had never been into before, and it's it's half art museum, half history museum kind of thing going on. There's like a modern art exhibit down in the bottom, and I'll be honest, like some modern art is cool, and other times, if you're staring at a thing, going, I could do that, or is that art really? Um, then it's not the best. I'll be honest, and you know, to each their own. Art is art, you know. There's not really good art or bad art. It's just people have different perspectives. But I'm I've never been really impressed by a, oh wow here's a here's a tower of sponges. That's that's interesting. Good job. Good job stacking sponges. You know it's just it is too whatever. But on the second floor of this place, it was the history um, like aspect, and it talked about the the dominant cultures of Scandinavia, and there was a room up there. Um, with these huge birch logs uh, standing upright like trees uh, and the the pillows on the ground were in the shapes of rocks and there was a huge screen just showing landscape shots of like drone footage of like Norway and Denmark and Iceland and Finland and Sweden and it was just all these gorgeous fjords and mountains and forests and lakes and rivers and all that stuff and it's snowy and then it's the northern lights and it was just this wonderful like rotational video i think it looped like every 10 minutes or so of just these amazing shots of the landscape of these amazing countries and that was my favorite part of the whole museum um it was it was like really cold in there it smelled clean like mountain air in that room it was it was easily the best part of the whole museum um, and so that was that was wonderful. There should be another picture of that up on the blog as well. I actually remembered to take pictures this time. So yeah, it was it was a wonderful day. Um, got some sun. Um, feeling feeling pretty good. Full of that delicious solar radiation and the vitamin D. Got it all up in my business. It's tasty stuff. Uh, and yeah, it was it was a grand old time. There's a lot of events going on in Seattle right now. A couple weeks back, I did like. An urban craft fest slash food truck journey. I have no recollection of if I actually talked about this on the podcast or not, but I did that. I didn't actually eat or buy anything that time, but it was just fun to walk around and check out some some you know some merchants, see what what goods they're hawking, and uh, potentially try some food. You know, 
see what's up. And yeah, it was it was a grand old time. But now I'm like real real tired and relaxed. Um, I'm, I have a, a lovely ice cold beer in front of me. It's a it's a toasty day. It's gonna be a toasty week. So it was it was nice to get out there nice and early, see some cool stuff, explore more about Viking culture. Know just enough about Viking culture to look at a a explanative explanative um, to look at a plaque next to. Uh, one of the history exhibits and know just enough about Nordic uh, information to know that it wasn't entirely accurate. It was, it's, it was, uh, this particular plaque was one interpretation of North Norse mythology um, that differed from what I had learned regarding my own research into the wonderful world of Norse mythology, which of course is plentiful. It's a, it's a rich mythos. Uh, play God of War. Uh, the new one, and you can you can dive pretty pretty deeply into uh, a couple of facets of the mythology. Um, I mean, you got the world serpent, you got Yggdrasil. It's it's just some good stuff. So, but yeah, uh, let us let's move on to the next thing and enjoy those pictures up on the blog. You should go check it out at goingupcast.com. They're up there right now. Go take a look. Some good stuff. I enjoy that blog. Goes back. Goes back a ways. Some fun little stories and photos and all that stuff. All taken by me. Let's move on to the next thing. And finally this week, I wanted to do a little bit of some fan appreciation. I have a lovely recipe that I have just finished whipping up that I want to talk about that was sent in by a fan. And I also want to talk a little bit about how the podcast is coming along and where it's accessible. Because I'm currently in the works right now of having it up on a brand new thing. But we'll get to that here in a second. First up, I want to talk about this recipe that was sent in to us from Jezebeth. Uh, they have sent in a lovely recipe for pineapple iced tea. Uh, it didn't take all that long to to whip up, gotta admit. Uh, I'd say the, the air quotes most challenging thing was I didn't have pineapple juice. So I had to run out, go grab, go grab me some pineapple juice uh, and come back. But basically what you do is you, you make your tea in a pot. Like you would, um, you know, when you're making anything, uh, you would just boil the water, put the tea bags in. I used um, just your good old-fashioned Lipton Lipton tea. Um, I am a huge fan of tea, but uh, in terms of uh, flavored iced tea, such as such as this, I didn't want to have the pineapple flavor competing with any like super strong um, tea flavor. So I went with the most. Uh, like baseline tea for this particular recipe, but you steep the tea uh, for three to five minutes according to taste. It's Lipton, so I mean you can steep this stuff till the cows come home, and it's only ever going to get so strong. Stir in the sugar, which was about two tablespoons of sugar until it dissolves. Uh, you transfer that into the pitcher and you uh, let it cool. Um, when did I add the the juice? Trying to remember. Oh, right there. Um, you stir in the fruit juice as the tea is cooling down. And then you refrigerate that, um, or you can do what I just did. And once it was all together, I just immediately poured it over ice. And I'm going to try a little bit of it right now. It is... It's very sweet. Uh, and it has a very strong taste of pineapple. And that is refreshing as all hell. My word, that's fantastic. Uh, that is a wonderful recipe. Thank you very much, Jessabeth. I'm going to put a link of it in the Twitter page so y'all can make your own. You can even dress it up with a little bit of a pineapple wedge, perhaps a mint leaf or two, as the as this recipe does suggest. And if you guys have any recipes or cocktails uh, for these warm summer months that you wish others to be aware of, well, 
send in those recipes at goingupcast at gmail.com or using the contact page on goingupcast.com and I'll take a look. I'll make it myself and it'll be just spectacular. On the flip side of that, I wanted to take a second here and talk about the iTunes. It's been a little while since we've spoken about iTunes. Every episode, of course, available right there on iTunes. Uh, And uh, it will hopefully be available on another platform here in a little bit. I'm just waiting for the podcast to get reviewed, which will most likely happen sometime during this week. But we got a couple of reviews here, both five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, The first review here comes from AudiP19568. Very positive, optimistic, happy, cheerful. Nice to listen to for free time. Really enjoyable. Five stars. Why, thank you very much. That's fantastic. Big fan. Big fan of that. And the other one uh, says by, let's see, by Corey Watch. I like the Going Up cast as much as I like mint chocolate chip ice cream. That is a lot. Oh, man. Mint chocolate chip. That's some good stuff. That's, oh, man. That's some good ice cream right there. Thank you very much, Corey Watch. Very much appreciate that. I am pretty sure I know who that is. Hmm. (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty sure I know who both of these people are. So thank you very much, gang. I very much appreciate it. As always, reviewing this podcast on iTunes allows me to climb those ranks slowly but surely. So every review is super helpful. Even if you don't like the podcast, every review is helpful. So (laughs) if you go on there and give me one star and be like, ah, it's crap. I'll still be like, well, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Oh, man. So, the news. Right right here at the tail end of the podcast. Google Play. That is, that's currently what is underway right now. It's on, I'm hoping to get it on Google Play Music. Um, I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and I was like, I should just, I should just get it on Google Play. I mean, how hard could that be? And right now, it's under review, um, pending podcast approval. I don't know how long that'll take. Um, I did do this on a weekend. So chances are nobody's looked at it because it's the weekend. Uh, so I'm hoping at some time this week we'll get approval. And then you can listen to the Going Up cast right there on Google Play, which I know a lot of people do listen to podcasts on. So that will be that'll be brand new. And I mean, after that, after, after this um, uh, new avenue for the podcast, the only other one after this I could possibly think of would be Spotify. Uh, and then in my head, I mean, that's all avenues covered. You can listen to it on goingupcast.com. You can listen to it on iTunes. You can listen to it on Apple Podcast. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100%. It seems like there's been some struggles with that in the past. Um, but whenever I look at the iTunes thing, it always leads me to Apple Podcast. So I'm guessing it's the same. I'm not 100%. I'm not an Apple user, so it's all foreign territory for me. If any of you out there know or are willing to you know check uh apple podcasts for me to see if it's out there that'd be that'd be spectacular that'd be awesome but i think that'll do it for this week on the going up cast uh next week we should have a pretty fantastic episode i've got a lot of things kind of planned for next week um but it all hinges on me getting something in the mail tomorrow so (laughs) if it gets here then great and if it doesn't, then we'll figure something else out. But next week should be should be a rip-roaring good time. And this is my 11th week doing this podcast. That's that's a long time. That's a long time to do this podcast. And I've been loving every minute of it. Do let me know what you think about everything in, in the emails, on the Twitters, wherever you can find goingupcast, gmail.com, goingupcast.com. I'm all over the place. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. And you know what? I hope you all have a wonderful week. 
Stay cool out there. I know it's going to be toasty pretty much from coast to coast. And, you know, get some shorts. Drink, stay hydrated. That's important. It's going to get hot. You're going to want to stay inside, find some AC, chill out, enjoy the week. Enjoy Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets landing on Thursday. And I'll see you all next week for an awesome episode. I'm really excited for next week. I think it's going to be great. Thank you all very much for listening. Have a good one, everyone.